so glad to see everybody on a Wednesday night. It's not a cold November Wednesday night. In fact, it looks like we're going to have a little summer the next day or so. We'll take it. Won't be that way for long, so we'll take it. Let's continue to remember those that are uh, sick in prayer. God be with them and heal them in Jesus' name. We're going to be having a family tree prayer meeting, prayer for the family tree. This is going to be a very special church family prayer for families. Whether you're a family of one or a family of a ton, no matter what season of life you're in, please come and pray with your family on the first Saturday of November, 9.30 a.m. There's going to be prayer stations. It's going to be a time of devotion. And this will be a great blessing to you. It's going to last from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. on November 7th. We have never needed prayer more than we need prayer right now. Amen. And I'm glad that God hears and answers our prayers. He knows right where we are. And when we call upon him, he will hear and he will answer. Amen. So that's going to be a wonderful time. Also this Sunday, we're going to continue our focus on ministries and uh, servant leadership and ministry involvement. We're going to continue uh, in this great journey, and we're going to be uh, letting you know about uh, tremendous developments in Ready Now. Ready Now is just taking off. We give God the praise for that. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. For what he, all that he's doing to prepare us for this next great chapter in our church's uh, history and future. Amen. We're going to begin tonight. Uh, we're going to be speaking on the subject, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. We were talking about this last Wednesday, and we're going to continue to uh, speak about the indwelling of the Holy Ghost this Wednesday. And so we want to do so by looking into the Word of the Lord. There is no greater gift to mankind than the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When the Lord told his disciples to go tarry in Jerusalem and wait until they be endued with power from on high, this was the greatest gift that man has ever known. And it's important that we, that we understand that. So we've talked about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We've talked about the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, and we, we want to continue to talk about that. Last week, we referenced the fact that it is the Holy Ghost that sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. When you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will begin to distribute the love of God throughout you, and you will be overtaken and overcome and overwhelmed with the love of God, a love for God. And a love for people. It will overtake you. A love. And you will be able to see how God loves you. And you will be able to love the Lord because of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And also the Holy Ghost is in you a quickening power. A quickening power. This is how your body will be resurrected back to life the power of the Holy Ghost. The scripture says that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that spirit dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. And we never need to lose sight of the fact that we will be resurrected from the dead to live forevermore. So basically it's, it's life as you know it, but no death and no sickness and no sadness and no sorrow. He's going to resurrect us back to life. Amen. And uh, it's going to be a real body, but it will be an immortal body. It will be a real body, but it will be an incorruptible body, a body that's unable to be corrupted. That is an amazing thing. I think sometimes when we talk about the afterlife, if you please, sometimes people think of it in terms of, you know, they see themselves as a little Cupid flying around in a toga with a harp, and, and it, it just seems so different. Well, you're, you're thinking of a spiritual dwelling place. That, that's what the Bible calls paradise. 
But when we're talking about living forever and ever with the Lord, it is a real life body that has been raised back to life. Just as Jesus' body was raised back to life, but unable to be corrupted and unable uh, to die. And so it is, a, it is a beautiful promise that we have, and this comes from the promise of the Father, which is the outpouring, the infilling, the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. So let's, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I, when did, we understand that the Lord reveals himself as Father in creation, as Son in redemption, and as Holy Spirit in regeneration. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are not three separate beings. This is one God who, who is the Father of all and who created the heaven and the earth. And that in order to redeem fallen mankind, he manifested himself in the flesh and sent forth his Son, which was him, made of a woman, made under the law. That word, that, that son was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And God, who is the Son of God, operated in this earth in life and ministry and he healed all manner of sickness and he was tempted in all points as we are tempted but was without sin. And he went to the cross as a spotless lamb Hallelujah. He was crucified. He was nailed to the cross. And, and he was nailed to the cross as one who never committed sin. So that when he died, he was numbered with the transgressors. He died as a murderer, but he was not a murderer. He died as a criminal, but he was not a criminal. He died as one who was guilty, but he was innocent. He became sin for us who knew no sin, was made to be sin. Hallelujah. And when he went down into death, he went down into death unlike any other human being that had ever lived. He went down having been tempted in all points, but having committed no sin. There was no transgression. What did this mean? This meant that death had no jurisdiction over him. The only thing that gives death jurisdiction over a human life is the sin that is in that human life. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody except Jesus. So Jesus was unable to be kept by death. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. That ought to make us shout and clap and stomp and dance and talk in tongues. Don't ever get used to it. He rose from the dead. And to verify that he rose from the dead, he showed himself alive to his disciples. He showed them that he was alive with many infallible proofs, the Bible says. Infallible proofs. Proofs that are, that are indisputable. Proofs that you cannot deny. He showed himself alive to his disciples. And ladies and gentlemen, they went to their deaths claiming that he rose from the dead. They were given opportunity after opportunity to recant that truth and they would be given their opportunity to live and they would not take it because the truth is he rose from the dead. And they knew that if they denounced it and lied about it, then they would die eternal damnation. But if they would hold on and hold true to the reality that Jesus rose from the dead, that they would rise with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you know what he told them while he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs? He told them to go tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. This power does not come from the world. This power does not come from a motivational speech. This power does not come from a medicine. This power is a power from on high. It is the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. And he said, you'll go tarry in Jerusalem and you will be endued. You will be filled with the power of God that comes from on high. 
And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. And we've talked about it when we talked about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They did this in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and Acts chapter 8. It was clear that they had a visible expression, a tangible manifestation, physical manifestation of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then once you look through the book of Acts, you see how that they operated in the Holy Ghost. You see how the Holy Ghost gave them victory and gave them strength and led them to, to establish the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to organize it, to, 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 to reach the nations. Every nation under heaven at that time, they were reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this happened through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gave them power, gave them strength. Then you move past the book of Acts and into the book of Romans. And from the book of Romans to the book of Jude, you have a description from writers like Paul and John and Peter and James. You have a description of what life is like with the Holy Ghost. Of how you endure suffering with the Holy Ghost. How you overcome temptation with the Holy Ghost. How you overcome condemnation with the Holy Ghost. You can overcome it through the Holy Ghost. And I'm looking at a people tonight who have overcome shame through the power of the Holy Ghost. You've overcome sin through the power of the Holy Ghost. You've overcome temptation through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Even when you fell to temptation, God lifted you up and gave you victory over condemnation. Thank you, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Ghost. There is power. Woo. There is power from on high. He's given you power to love your enemies. He's given you power to bless them which persecute you, to love them which despitefully use you. He's given you power to hold fast the profession of your faith. He's given you power to stand upon the promises of God when you've done all to stand, to stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, taking unto you the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, what do you have there in Ephesians chapter 6? You have a well-dressed soldier prepared for spiritual warfare. But Ephesians 6, 18 says, after you've, after you've equipped the soldier, the Ephesians 6, 18 says, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The power of the Holy Ghost. It is in the Spirit that you have power to wield the sword, to utilize the breastplate of righteousness, to utilize the feet that are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and so forth. This happens in the Holy Ghost and through the Holy Ghost. So this is a power that God has put inside of his people. And so he is the Father who created all things. He is the Son who redeemed all whosoever will. And he is the Holy Spirit that is the comforter who comes to us and gives us power. That's the God you serve. Hallelujah. And so we see this Father, Son, and Spirit. Again, they're not three beings. They are three expressions of one God. God has manifested himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we thank the Lord that our God is a God who can do it all by himself. Hallelujah. We thank God that our God is a God who doesn't need multiple committees. We are, ble we are blessed to be in his work. He needs not anybody. He can do it by himself. He looked for an intercessor and found none. So his own arm provided salvation. He is God all by himself. Whether anybody believes it or not, he's still God. And the Bible says, the Lord said, let us make man in our image. And when he created man, man comes forth and he's not three beings. He's one being, but he is three parts to one being. And that is, he, was, he has three manifestations of himself, body, soul, and spirit. And this is true of God. God is 
three manifestations of one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And man is an image of God. So here I am before you, my body. But you know, if my soul and spirit were not in action right now, I wouldn't be able to even move or animate or express. My body would have no action to it. There would be no expression from my mouth if I were merely a body. The body is a vessel. But, but all of this expression is coming from my soul and from the spirit. All of this animation, all of these beliefs, all of that is flowing through the invisible parts of me. And so God is just like man. He is one-third visible and he is two-thirds invisible. Amen. God is visible as Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus. But he's invisible as Father and Holy Spirit. Just like I am visible as this body, but, but I, my soul and my spirit are not visible. They are invisible. And so we see that this is a reflection. God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And, and he was made in the image of God. Paul told us that we are made body, soul, and spirit. We are wholly fallen. We are completely fallen away from the Lord. In the book of Genesis, when Adam was disobedient, his sin brought death into the world. And all mankind has suffered for this sin, the disobedience of Adam. But thank God that the Lord became a man. The second man, Adam. The last Adam. And he was able to step into our stead. And reverse the curse. And so God has redeemed us body, soul, and spirit. This is why we repent of our sins. And we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why there are three parts to that plan of salvation. Because there are three parts to us. And God has manifested himself in three expressions and manifestations. God has expressed himself in three manifestations because we are comprised of three parts. And in order for us to be saved, there is a repentance necessary, baptism in his name that's necessary, and the receiving of his spirit that is necessary. And that is the redemption of the whole person. Hallelujah. When you repent of your sins and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen, your whole person is redeemed by God Almighty. Amen. And so we thank the Lord for that. That's why we repent to God. He is our Heavenly Father. We repent to Him. And we are baptized into His name, the name Christ Jesus. And it is His Holy Spirit that fills us and regenerates our spirit. Our body, our soul, and our spirit become completely redeemed by God. And we thank the Lord for that. That's, what, that's the power of this. Now, there's another expression of this reality that God manifests Himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. There is a, another reality to this. You see it in the Judeo understanding of law. You see it in their understanding of law. The, the Bible says that God gave Moses the law. So there was a law of Moses. Moses was the law giver. God gave it to him. He gave it to Israel. Everybody say, the law giver. All right. When Moses died and Joshua had brought the children of Israel into the land of promise. After Joshua, there arose judges. That's why in your Bible there are five books of the law. And after Deuteronomy, it moves to the book of Joshua and then to the book of Judges. We're still dealing with God's law. But he is not operating with his law through a lawgiver. He's operating with his law through an interpreter of the law, which are the judges. The judges judged Israel. This is the judiciary, if you please. And so you have judges throughout the book of Judges and into the book of 1 Samuel, you have judges. Everybody say, the judges. All right. You move from the book of Judges into the book of 1 Samuel, and Samuel has this call of God upon his life. 
he's going to make a very important segue for Israel. He's going to transition Israel to a new form of government. They have been under judges for a long time. Before that, they were under a lawgiver. Now they're going to transition to a new form of government, and that is the government of kings. That's why the book of First and Second Samuel gives way to the first and second book of Kings and then to the Chronicles of the Kings because the children of Israel moved into a new form of government, executive leadership, the kings. This is a three-fold government, lawgiver, judges, and kings, or executive leadership. And, and so this is the way that the children of Israel were governed. This was a reflection of the nature of God. God was teaching them his own nature by giving to them these forms of government. Now you can see, we have it in our own country, in our own nation. Our nation has a Judeo-Christian ethic as the foundation for our nation, and people can balk at that all they want, but the reality is that the United States of America is founded upon a Judeo-Christian ethic. It formed our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence. It forms the way we have representative government. The idea of self-governance is rooted in the concept of a person being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit will govern you. So it's a Judeo-Christian ethic. It is a legislative branch. It is a judicial branch. And it is an executive branch. It is legislative, judicial, and executive because it has its roots in the Old Testament form of Israel's government, which was a lawgiver, legislative, judges, judiciary, and executive the kings and 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 this was a reflection of god's nature because god as father is the lawgiver he establishes the laws this is why he created day and night he was establishing a law you try to change that go ahead it's dark outside we'll give you 10 minutes go see what you can do about it he created day and he created night and nobody's changing that that's why the Bible said seed time and harvest. Brother Colbert quoted it on Sunday. Seed time and harvest, day and night, seasons. They're not going to change as long as the earth is in place. These things will remain. They will remain. It's not going to change. Hallelujah. God established that. He's the giver of law. He's a law maker. Hallelujah. But then God manifested himself in flesh. And he wrapped himself in the robe of mankind, walked this earth as the only begotten son of God, and God was in Christ. Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. He is fully God, he is fully man, and he is God manifest in human flesh, and he is this role of the judiciary. He is the judge. He is the judge. Hallelujah. He's the judge. We are going to be measured to the standard of his life. He is the judge. And he interpret as judge, he interpreted the law. As the legislator, he gave the law. But as the judge, he interprets the law. This is why you see Jesus interpreting the law. This is why Jesus would say, some of you say, that you shall not commit adultery. But I'm telling you that you have violated the spirit of that law when you look upon a woman and lust after her. You've committed adultery already in your heart. He said, yes, the law says thou shalt not kill, but I'm trying to tell you, I'm going to interpret that for you. You think as long as you don't shoot somebody, then you didn't kill them. I'm telling you that when you hate your brother, that's spiritual murder. He said, in fact, they said, why do your disciples pick corn on the Sabbath? He said, don't you know that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath? What's he doing? He is judging. He is interpreting the law that he gave. Now, okay, I'm going to I'm have to read to you something here, okay? Because, because I want us to be sure and understand what the Lord wants us to hear. Isaiah 33, verse 22. Isaiah 33, verse 22. Now, you know here in America, 
we've got a legislative branch, we've got a judicial branch, we've got a, an executive branch, and they're all trying to balance each other, and if that's what you want to call it. They're all trying to balance each other, and, 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 and they, can, they can mix it up sometimes. But notice what Isaiah 33 verse 22 says. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Those are the three branches of godly government. And the Lord is every one of them. There's not another one. There's not a, it's not a second person who's the judge. And it's not a third person who is the king. And it's not a first person who's the lawgiver. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our judge. And the Lord is our king. So as father, God gave the law. As son, God interpreted the law. And as Holy Spirit, God enforces the law. This is how God enforces his holy law. Now let's understand something about the law of God. The law of God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. And yet throughout the scriptures, nobody could, could keep it. Nobody could live up to it because it was so perfect and man was so imperfect that every time he tried to live up to the law he would fail the apostle paul said it this way he said the law was perfect but it was weak through the flesh that means that the law is perfect but because it had to operate through the flesh it was weak so the law was weak in that it was through the flesh. In other words, I've got this perfect law. I mean, it's perfect. Thou shalt not have any of the gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt. It's got a, it, it covers every single base of human life. Everything is good. It's perfect. But I'm not. I'm weak. So God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. And it is the Holy Spirit inside of us that begins to enforce the law inside of us. Have anybody ever heard the word conviction? How many know what that means in church? It means somebody's feeling what the word's saying and it's starting to convict you. That's a legal term. That's not a church term. It, it, it is, but it's a legal term and that's that's that's. That's why it's the same word. It is when you recognize that the God who gave the law is the same God who interpreted the law and is now letting you know you are the man. You are the woman. You are the one who is guilty of this sin. That is conviction. You have been convicted. You have been made to understand your guilt. This is a legal concept. Everything about our walk with God is legally founded redemption that's a legal term adoption that's a legal term remission that's a legal term forgiveness that's a legal term every one of these uh, terms in the scriptures that relate to our salvation justification that's a legal term the, these are legal concepts because god is the lawgiver and he's the judge and he's the king so not only did he give us his perfect law, the only thing he could give us was the law that is, which is perfect. Then he came down as the judge, the son of God, and showed us what living the law looks like and interpreting it for us, helping us to understand. That's why when they brought the woman caught in the act of adultery to the feet of Jesus, what he said was the final word. He was the judge. And he does not judge after the seeing of his eyes. And he does not reprove after the hearing of his ears. He judges in righteousness. Glory to God. And then when Jesus, the Son of God, ascended, he poured out himself as Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And so the Holy Ghost is God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So now the God who gave the law is the God who lived the law and interpreted it for us. 
is the same God who now lives on the inside of us and is going to keep the law for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is why the Bible said, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the Holy Ghost will get down deep on the inside of you. And when you are stirring up that gift and when you're praying and you're walking with God and you're praising God and you're loving your neighbor, all of that is empowered. You're empowered by the Holy Ghost to do all of that. When that is happening, ladies and gentlemen, you will be walking in the Spirit and the Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And the Holy Ghost inside of you will, will say to you at certain times, this is wrong. Don't do that. Don't say that. Anybody, ever, anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? There's another legal term. Can I get a witness? Uh, testimony, that's another legal term. I wish I could just preach it like I feel it. Glory to God. This was a legal transaction. It's all legal what God did for us when he saved us. This isn't a catch. This isn't, this isn't some kind of a fairy tale. It is legally documented. It'll hold up in the highest court of heaven. Oh, now, I'm going to just run down this rabbit trail, and I'm going to come right back. That's Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God did it that way so it would be sure and steadfast. Somebody said, why, does, why did God have to come down and, and be crucified? Why didn't he just snap his fingers and make everything go back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden? I'll tell you why. Because God is not a criminal. He obeys the law. God stepped down and became obedient unto death. He subjected himself to the law of sin and death. And within the context of that law, overcame sin and death. He didn't cheat his way through. He did not cheat his way through. He, everything sin and death required, he dotted the I's and he crossed the T's. My God have mercy. Line upon line, precept upon precept. He walked through everything sin and death required and became the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins and brought a new law into being. And that is the perfect law of liberty. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So the Holy Ghost gets down deep on the inside and the Holy Ghost begins to lead you and guide you and speak to you and, and, and give you instincts for what is right. This is why, this is why we, we're just constantly saying, pray, 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 keep on praying. Why? So you can be walking in the Spirit. Worship God. Be at the house of God. Tune in if you're not able to be in the house of God. And, and, and make sure that you're walking in the Spirit. Don't let anything Conflict with the Holy Ghost. Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. If you're going to try to hold a grudge against somebody, you're quenching the Spirit. If you're going to let a root of bitterness get inside of you, you're quenching the Spirit. If you're going to let, if you're going to let your flesh respond and react the way your flesh wants to respond and react and not let the Holy Spirit respond and react, you're quenching the Spirit. But if you'll let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to live a peaceable life in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I will tell you, it's a lot easier to preach it than it is sometimes to practice it. It feels real good preaching it. But Lord, help us all to understand the power that you have filled us with. The power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know that we, I, I mentioned this in one of our teachings on this subject, but, but we've got this mortal body to contend with. And as long as we've got this mortal body, we have, it's a fallen body. That's why, that's why it's, it's aging. And that's why it's, it's dilapidating. Before our very eyes, every day in the mirror, we see things progressing. And we're like, what in the world's going on here? And, and because our body, is, our body is of a fallen nature. 
which means that the nerves are of a fallen nature and we get irritable and when we get tired just don't even mess with me. I can't I can't I can't have any fruit of the spirit when I'm tired I just understand well that's not acceptable but that often is the way we feel and we feel justified and if I got a bad day going on then don't don't ask me to be loving and kind no 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 you see the Holy Ghost can be greater even than your natural body thank you Jesus don't give over to the impulse of your human flesh, of your fallen nature, of your, I'll say, bestial nature. Do you know on the sixth day God created man and he created beast? On the sixth day he created both man and beast. And, and they both came from, the, from the, the ground. You don't need to be a person who is, who is given into or giving into that dust from whence you came. That's fallen and cursed. Hallelujah. You, you, have to, you have to let the power of the Holy Ghost have his way. And so the Holy Ghost is the king. This is God as king in your life. This is the crowning. This is the crowning achievement of God in your life. When you actually allow him to come into you and monitor and take authority. You know, when Saul met David... It was a really amazing experience. Now, David was going to be king. David was going to be king. God, God had anointed him. He was going to be the king of Israel. He walks into Saul's chambers while Goliath is out challenging Israel. And he says, I think I can take him. I took a lion. I took a bear. I think I can take this uncircumcised Philistine. Saul lets him do it. Hey, this was a great amazing relationship because I can just stay up here and be king and he can go out and kill giants then Saul started being tormented by evil spirits and he called David in to play the harp before the Lord and as David played the harp before the Lord the evil spirits had to flee and and this is why praise when you praise God it'll remove those tormenting those tormenting uh, entities and so so Saul appreciated David's ability to kill giants and to intimidate evil spirits, but he didn't want him to be king. And when he realized that David was going to be king, he went after him. It was all fun and games till he realized David was anointed to be the king of Israel. And that's the way we treat God sometimes. We want God to, to, to kill our giants and drive away our evil spirits, but we don't want him to be king. We want God, God listen, I, I'll, be, I'll be king. You just kill all these giants that are standing in my way and drive away these evil spirits and I'll have the throne and I'll have the crown and I'll have the scepter. And that's not how it works. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And, and his role as king is to enforce the perfect law of liberty in your life. That's the whole foundation for the concept of self-governance. That you don't, you don't need an external force on the outside of you forcing you to do right. Hallelujah. That's why I've told you for years as a pastor, I'm not Moses. I'm not Moses. I wasn't called to be Moses. I'm not your mediator between you and God. I'm here. I'm here to help you find green pastures. I'm here to help you understand who God is and how he has empowered you with his indwelling Holy Spirit. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to go between you and God. Now, I'll pray for you. And you pray for me. But, but I'm not the one who goes and talks to God and then comes back and tells you, okay, this is what you have to do. And you're depending on me to do that. No, no, I'm here to tell you, listen, God is God and God don't ever change. And he gave you his spirit and you can talk to him and he will lead you and guide you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, God never did want Moses to be in that mediator category. He told Moses, bring them all to me and let me com commune with them the way I communed with you. And Moses went down and said, they won't do it, God. They said, they're, they, they don't, they're just, they, they don't want to do that. They want me to come talk to you. He said, all right, then we have no choice but to do it this way. So here came the law of Moses. The law of Moses was never what God's 
perfect will was God never wanted to give them a law that was secondary he wanted to put his law in their hearts that's where God's law is to be how many remember in the Bible when Moses came down from the mountain and he had been with God for 40 days and 40 nights and he I mean he's just up there shouting having a Holy Ghost time God's inscribing commands and tablets of stone and Moses is so thrilled and excited with all this amazing presence of God and, and glory of God and he comes down and here the backslidden reprobate children of Israel are all worshiping a golden calf and he was so mad about it that he cast down the tablets of stone God had just used to inscribe his ten commandments and literally broke all ten commandments at the same time that's actually kind of hard to do. I know people who have broken all at various times. But I don't know, I don't know anybody but Moses who did them all at the same time. Broke every one of them. Bam! They're all broken, shattered. And God said, Moses, come, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come back up into the mountain. He gave him the Ten Commandments again. And this time he said, look, don't hold them in your hands. Put them in the Ark of the Covenant where they will last forever and ever and ever. Here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. When you try to keep God's commandments with your own fleshly hands, you will break them every time. But when you take those same commandments and you place them in the covenant that God has made with you, they will last. They'll be preserved. They'll stand the test of time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we break them so often when we try to keep them with our own fleshly hands. But when we let the holy covenant of God provide the power we need, then God will literally keep us. He will keep us from sin. He will deliver us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God will do that as the indwelling Holy Ghost within us. That doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake. That doesn't mean that you're never going to falter. But what that does mean is that God is an indwelling power that leads you and guides you, and you're stronger now than you used to be. If you've lived for the Lord a while and you've been in prayer and you've been walking in the Holy Ghost, you're stronger now than you used to be. And if you're not strong in the Lord, pray again and pray through and repent again and repent again and die daily and stir up the gift that is in you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So the Holy Ghost, how does the Holy Ghost lead us and guide us? The Holy Ghost will speak to you. The Holy Ghost will speak to you. And, and he will speak to you through through the voice of God that is inside of you, that, 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 that voice of his Holy Spirit. And, and so somebody said, well, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. And, and I don't even know how to tell you. I just know that when you hear it, you know you've heard it. But I will, I will, take a, 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 I will try to help you hear and understand what the voice of God is. I remember when I prayed and said, and I've told this story before, so don't stop me if you've heard it already. Just act like this the first time I remember when I was praying Lord let me hear your voice I want to hear your voice because I'm reading in the Bible and it's the word of the Lord came unto Isaiah this and the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah that and the word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel this and and I said Lord the word of the Lord comes unto me and I'm like is that really you God you really want me to go speak a word of encouragement to them I don't know Sounds a little sketchy. Is that the devil or is that God? The devil does not want you to speak a word of encouragement to anyone. But for some reason, we, we put it through all of this screening process. And by the time we've gone through all of God's luggage and checked all of his passports, the moment he was speaking to us about has passed. And I said, God, I don't want that anymore. I want to hear your voice, and I want to know it's you, and I want to speak, cry loud, spare not, and preach and teach and minister the way you've called me to do it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pastor any other way. 
I couldn't pastor any other way. I have to hear from God. I don't know how to do this without God. And so, and so I just prayed this. We lived in Indiana at the time, and, and uh, I'd been praying and fasting for a couple of weeks about this. And, and one night in the middle of the night, uh, I, I woke up, and I sat up in bed, and um, I wanted to get out of bed, so I just kind of got out of bed. Didn't really have a reason to. I just kind of put my feet on the floor and stood up. And I walked out of the room and I went to the hallway, stood at the top of the steps, and I felt like going downstairs. So out of instinct, I just kind of went downstairs and came to the hallway and uh, wanted to go this way. So I went that way, and, and I, I walked into the kitchen, and, and it was almost like just instinctively. I just went into the kitchen, and I, and I uh, saw the phone there. I thought that was strange. It should have been upstairs, but I, I grabbed the phone. This was way back in the good old days when we had landlines and such. And I, I picked up the phone, and I, and I listened to see if there were any voicemails. Gives you that little indicator that there are voicemails. There were eight. I had only been asleep for about four hours. It's in the middle of the night. That's never a good sign. Something's wrong. Something ha something's happening. I checked the voicemails, and after just a very brief hearing of one or two, I immediately sprang into action. One of the most precious men in our church, Brother Kerry Rivers, was dying of a massive heart attack at St. Joseph Hospital. His wife, Sister Stella Rivers, was calling, needing prayer. I, 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 I made myself as presentable as possible. I ran out the door, and as I'm going out the door, I turned to lock the door, and the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but it was him. And he said to me, you just heard my voice. I had been praying that I would hear his voice. And he said, you just heard my voice. And I, I stopped and, I, and I, was, I was having a conversation with God in my spirit. And I, I, I said, Lord, I don't remember hearing your voice. And he said, my voice is not external to you. It's not something outside of you that, is, that has to fight through a bunch of carnality to get to you. But when you are filled with my spirit and you're walking in the spirit, my voice is inside of you. He said, this is what he told me. These are the words he used. He said, my voice is when I replace your instincts with my instincts. And I realized that when I got up out of bed, that was the Lord telling me to get up out of bed. And when I walked out into the hallway instinctively, that was the Lord telling me to walk out into the hallway. And when I went down the steps, it was the Lord telling me to go down the steps. And when I went into the kitchen, it was the Lord telling me to go into the kitchen. It felt like my instincts, but I had asked the Lord to speak to me, and His voice was leading me. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Rivers is doing great, by the way. That was about 17 years ago. He's doing fantastic. He died that night, but the Lord raised him up in Jesus' name. I got to see him come back from the dead, and he's doing great in 2020. Glory. My God is a good God, and his voice is inside the spirit-filled believer. And he will, the, this is what the, the Apostle Paul meant when he said, yield your members as instruments of righteousness. The members that he's talking about are the members of your body. And he said, yield them as instruments of righteousness. That's what you do when you surrender yourself to God. You're yielding the members of your body, the fallen body that's fallen. All of its nerves are fallen. All of its vessels are fallen. All of it, it's all fallen. It's all yielded to unrighteousness. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost can use my hands. The Holy Ghost can use my feet. The Holy Ghost can use my mouth. The Holy Ghost can use me, can take my legs where it needs me to go. The Holy Ghost is in control of the members of my body when I will yield them as instruments of righteousness. Glory to God. But you have to hear the voice, and it is a still, small voice. Remember the prophet Elijah, who hid in the cave, and God was going to speak to him. 
all of a sudden an earthquake came. Now, God had spoken through earthquakes before. He spoke through an earthquake when, when Moses and Korah, there was a debate as to who was sent from the Lord, and the Lord just sent an earthquake, and it opened up and swallowed Korah and his family and shut up upon them again. 200-plus people. So God had spoken through earthquakes, but he wasn't in this earthquake. Now, a whirlwind showed up. And God had spoken through whirlwinds before. The ancient book of Job, that's how God spoke to Job. Got his attention, kind of smacked him a little bit verbally. Just bam, who is this that darkeneth counsel without knowledge? Gird yourself like a man and instruct the Almighty. And, and, and Job is standing there and this massive tornado is standing in front of him. And God is speaking from it. So God had used whirlwinds before, but he wasn't in the whirlwind. And then fire showed up. And God had spoken through fire before. Famously, Moses stood before the bush that burned but was not consumed. And the angel of the Lord was in the midst of the flame. And the Lord spoke from the fire. He said, I am the great I am. Go tell Pharaoh to let my firstborn son go. So God had spoken through fire before. But God was not in the fire. God was letting Elijah know all of the ways he could speak. And I'm just going to tell you that the more carnal you are, the more violent God has to be with how he speaks to you. The more carnal you are, the more the earth has to shake before God can get your attention. The more carnal you are, the more the fire has to just rage before you finally turn aside and see, what is this the Lord or not? But he said, Elijah, this is how I, this is how I really want to speak to you. Now, Elijah, you have to be quiet. You have to be really quiet and everything around you has to be quiet. You have to tune things out. You have to shut things down. Because I'm going to speak to you in a still, small voice. The voice of God is so still and so small that you can miss it if you're not walking in the Spirit. How many times has God spoken to you and you've missed it? Because you weren't letting the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you. I wonder how many people God spoke to before he finally came to Abraham. I wonder. The Bible doesn't say, so I won't speculate. But we do know Abraham heard it and he obeyed it. But sometimes I just wonder how many hundreds of people God went to and said, Leave thy father's house and leave thy father's kindred and go to a land that I will show you. Leave thy father's house, leave thy father's kindred, go to the land where I will show you. He's not listening. Leave thy father's house and leave there. thy father's kindred and go to the land where I will show you. I don't know how many people or if he did that to anybody, but I know one man heard him and one man obeyed him. And my God have mercy. When, when one man finally heard him and obeyed him, God said, you know what? Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. I will bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. I multiply your seed like the stars in the heavens and like the sand upon the sea. I will bless you forever. And I'll give you every land, piece of land you set your foot upon. My God, have mercy. Because you heard me and you obeyed me. Hallelujah. He, he, Abraham didn't even know what to do except obey God. And he obeyed him, and it was counted unto Abraham for righteousness. My God, have mercy. I love when God says obedience means righteousness, because I said it does. He obeyed me. I don't know what all else he had going on in his life, but he obeyed me. And I counted unto him for righteousness. I'm going to tell you, when you don't know what else to do, obey. When you don't know what step to take, obey God. When you don't know what action to take, obey God. Because he will count it unto you for righteousness. And the Holy Ghost will speak to you the word of life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost will speak unto you the word of life. That's what God puts inside of us when he fills us with the Holy Ghost. He will give you power, ladies and gentlemen. He will give you power. He will give you power to do things you do not in your flesh want to do. God will give you power to do it. Ah, Lord have mercy. I'm telling you that, that the struggle that you are facing, the power that you need is in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Can we lift up our hands?
and ask God to just let us feel that presence of God. Hallelujah. Can we ask God just to speak to us, minister to us in the name of the Lord? In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. My Lord, have mercy. Yeah, that's why we encourage you to pray, because you need the Holy Ghost to be stirred up inside of you. Glory to God. That's why we encourage you to worship, because it stirs up the Holy Ghost inside of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. You know why I feel the Holy Ghost in this house? Because a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled people are praising His name, and they're stirring up the gift uh, that is inside of them. And that sweet-smelling savor of Holy Ghost fire is in this house. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Could you stand with me right now? The Lord is in this place. He wants to do a work in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to feel intimidated by the prince of power of this world. You need to understand that you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. And when you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got everything you need. Glory to God. You've got the power of the living God living on the inside of you. Thank God for it. Thank God for the devil's going to lie to you and tell you that it doesn't matter, that it doesn't amount to anything. In those moments, you just praise God with all of your heart. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Do that. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. Well, then thank God you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Praise Him. Say, Lord, I believe. I believe, and I'm going to receive it in Jesus' name. Go ahead and praise Him for it. Why don't you do it right now? Praise Him for it. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you, if you need the Holy Ghost right now, God can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to make these altars open for people that want to come and pray. God can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The Lord can fill you to overflowing. He can fill you to overflowing. You can experience the peace that passes understanding, the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, the perfect love that casts out fear. All of that is in the Holy Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Come on, lift up a praise unto Him right now. Lift up a praise unto Him right now. Lift up a praise unto Him right now. In the name of Jesus. Come, if you want to get touched from God right now, if you want to receive the Holy Ghost, come on. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, enforce the law of love in my life. Lord, enforce the law of liberty in my life. Lord, enforce the law of the Spirit in my life. Thank you, Jesus. I want to walk with you. I want to be what you want me to be. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't wait till the earthquake comes and God gets your attention. Don't wait for the whirlwind to come and God has to get your attention. Don't wait for the raging inferno. Come to the sweet, still, small voice of God. Let Him speak to you gently and softly, tenderly. Hallelujah. Let Him declare His glorious will for your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, Lord. Holy Spirit, break us, come and overtake us. Thank you, Jesus. the one we're living for. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, lead us to the heart of Jesus. There is nothing we want more. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, break us, come and overtake us. You're the one we're living for. Oh, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, lead us to the heart of Jesus. There is nothing we want
I decrease as you increase. It's all about you. It's not about me. Hallelujah. Oh, I decrease Hallelujah. as you increase. It's all about you. It's not about me. You're the one we're living for. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead us to the heart of Jesus. There is nothing we want. Nothing we want more. Come on, that's it. Make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. I lead you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead us to the blood of Jesus. There is nothing we want. 